Another day comes to a quiet close in Collinsport, but the evening brings with it no end to the fear that hovers over the great house like an eternal twilight, and the evening promises no peace for those trapped between the darkness and the light, for this night can only end with terror at Collinwood. in the secret room to the mausoleum and get to today's podcast, I want to congratulate all of the winners and runners-up and honorable mentions of the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. There are a lot of uh, friends and fiends I see on there, and I would love to congratulate each and every one of them personally. Uh, That would take quite a while, though, to go through that list. So uh, I just want to give a general congratulations. Uh, Several of the people who won have been on this podcast, including Ansel Farage for The Most Haunted House in Venice Beach, the one and only Catherine Lee Scott for her interview with David Hennessy, Child of Dark Shadows, and of course, A Dark Shadows Christmas Carol won for Best Event, and several more uh, people on there. So many uh, great people won Rondo Awards, and uh, congratulations to all of them. Terror at Collinwood did not win Best Podcast, but it came in second. That That's unbelievable. That blows my mind. Thank you to everybody who voted for the podcast. The winner of, of the best podcast category, of course, was the late, great Gilbert Gottfried of uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal podcast. Uh, that one best podcast and coming in second to the legendary Gilbert Gottfried, uh, that in and of itself uh, is award enough for me. So uh, gosh, thank you to everybody who voted. I sincerely appreciate it. And now let's get on with the show. Be careful, my friend, where you tread, for I warn you now, there are spoilers ahead. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. I am your hostess, Penny Dreadful, or am I her doppelganger, Danielle? It's hard to, it all blends together after a while. I don't, I don't know who I am anymore, but I know who my guest is today, Jim Beard, who is a writer and editor who pounds out adventure fiction with classic pulp style and flair. Jim has written official Spider-Man, X-Files, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and Planet of the Apes prose fiction, Star Wars and Ghostbusters comic stories, and contributed articles and essays to several volumes of comic book history. His prose work also includes Gotham City, 14 Miles, Yanos, Spirit Breaker, Monster Earth, and Captain Action, Riddle of the Glowing Men, the first pulp prose novel based on the classic 1960s action figure. Please visit him on Facebook at the Jim Beard and Becky Books page. And of course, in addition to all of the above and much more, he's also the editor, along with Charles R. Rutledge, of the book Running Home to Shadows, Memories of TV's First Supernatural Soap from Today's Grown-Up Kids from Becky Books. And it's available now on Amazon. So run home from school and get on Amazon and pick up a copy of this book. It it is great. Welcome to the show, Jim. 
you thank you 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 make me sound so cool <laughs> oh I, my hope, God. I hope i live i can live up to that wow <laughs> well i don't i don't have to make you sound cool because you are look at this list of yeah. credits here you you've written for batman planet of the apes spider-man kolchak ghostbusters oh my god the, the list goes on and on here all this really cool stuff well listen i have to tell you i i you know uh, when i was a kid and listening to your show i never imagined that one day i would actually be on tara collinwood here i am wow wow, wow. Well, welcome to the beginning and the end of the world mr Beer. <laughs> I think you 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 knew Sir Graves Gasly personally. Am I right? <laughs> yes, yes. Many several hundred years ago, you know, we, we attended the horror host conventions together. But what happened at the horror host convention stays at the horror host convention. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yes. So you. So I I know I've heard you of course on Monster Kid Radio, Derek M. Cook's great podcast. I have your uh, delightful uh, musings on monsters uh, book uh, as well that you wrote the the forward to and that you shepherded that book quite a bit. So I know that you are a big monster kid and you grew up with Sir Graves Gastly. So t talk to us about that. I'd love to hear about your experience as a monster kid growing up. Yeah, like all the things that I love today, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't love monster stuff. You know, uh, it was seems to me to always have been around and that I was always interested in it. And, and it really did probably really gel, really start, you know, kick in with watching Sir Graves Gasly. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the horror host, for those who don't know, out of Detroit uh, in the 60s and into the 70s. Now, I caught him kind of late. Uh, I was born in 65, so it was probably the very late 60s when I first saw him. But I watched him. All the way up until the time of uh, Star Wars uh, coming out in 77. In fact, his show, it's so funny. He always had the art gallery part of his show. Yeah. And they'd play a song and the camera would pan over the artwork. And I was always so jealous because I was an artist when I was little. I didn't have any idea how to send anything in. To uh -huh. But it all changed. As soon as Star Wars was out, suddenly every single drawing from a kid up there was with Star Wars. <laughs> And it really made me also, um, that made me think of how famous Monsters of Filmland changed. Yes, yeah. Suddenly it was like all Star Wars all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, Sir Graves introduced me to the Universal Monster films and even some Hammer uh, stuff at that time. And uh, at that very same time, my older brother was watching The Ghoul. Uh, at yeah, late oh, at night. Right. Yeah. yeah. My brother, Tim, is uh, four years older than me. So he was allowed to, you know, stay up and be the cool kid and watch the ghoul late at night whenever the heck that was on. And I think the ghoul was like out of Cleveland or maybe. Yeah, he was. Ohio. He was sort of the successor to Goulardi, uh, Ron, Ron yeah. Swede. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he was out of Ohio, but his show was syndicated in, in Detroit, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, a very different style from from uh, Sir Graves. You know, he yeah, uh, Sir, Sir Graves was a little was a little more kid friendly. Yeah, although he didn't always show stuff that was kid friendly. Like I said, there was some yeah. Hammer stuff that I was exposed to at that time. Uh, but uh, but it would really the focus for me was the Universal Monster. Sure. Yeah. 
and and to get all that one fantastic Halloween when I was a kid, it rained. Well, it always seemed to rain for Halloween where I live, <laughs> but it really rained one time. And my dad and I, it, I laugh about this today. He came up to me and he said, "You know what? You you think you'd rather stay in this year?" <laughs> and the way he said it, it was so uh, it made a lot of sense because he said, "You know, we could we could just watch TV. Look." Look, there's a, one of the monster movies is on TV, and this would have been in, in the evening at prime time. It was it was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, mm-hmm. and I had not seen that one yet. So so we stayed in, and and I watched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Uh. I found out many many years later that that was probably hosted by. Sir Graves. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it seems like he did a few evening specials okay. like, and I'm thinking that that's probably what that is. I don't know what other yeah. channel around us, you know, would have been showing that. So I have a lot of very happy monster kid memories from yeah. when I was little. Oh God. Can you do the Sir Graves laugh? <laughs> <laughs> you don't say, uh, uh, turn down the lights close the shades curl up in your favorite chair and get ready for the mummy's tomb <laughs> nice awesome he was, you, you, uh, I, he's rolling around in his grave right now <laughs> after that. But he was such a odd guy because by the time i caught up with him and began watching his show even as a child to me he seemed like he was burnt out like he was very unhappy that, he, you know, here he was, however old he was, and he was still doing this kids shows. Right. <laughs> it was late. It was late Saturday morning, early Saturday afternoon. And he always seemed like a real grouchy curmudgeon while he was doing the show. But somehow it 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 added to the persona. Right. Yeah. Right. And at one point, he actually got a new hairpiece. I remember that day very well, tuning in, and he looked different. He actually got a new hairpiece, but they had actually, like, greased it down and styled it to fit the character. <laughs> he had kind um, of a, the spit curl thing going on in the yeah, yes, head. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and he put on his horn-rimmed glasses to read something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And what a great introduction to monsters, you know, and and universal monsters and to to spend Halloween watching Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. If you can't go out on Halloween night, that that's a good one to spend the night watching, uh, you know, with your dad at home in the evening. Oh, that that's really cool. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Now you so you were in you were into Universal Monsters and the famous monsters of Filmland, and yeah. I caught the tail end kind of of that to that that era. I'm I'm a '70s monster kid. I was born in the early '70s, and my uncle Valdemar, who was you know he was super monster kid in the '60s, so he passed all that stuff to me: the Dark Shadows and Universal Monsters, famous monsters, all of that stuff. And I I remember seeing the Star Wars covers of famous monsters and going, that's not really monster. Monsters, you know, I guess kind of. It's you know, there are monsters in Star Wars, but it's not the horror monsters that that I yeah, you know. I think, and I think that's how Forey Ackerman was justifying it. Mm-hmm. And as a businessman, I I think he knew you had to get on the Star Wars train. He's probably right. sold a lot of magazines, but there were the in the letters pages 
there eventually there were the people who started complaining that the that Star Wars had taken over the magazine. But yeah. I enjoyed and, and I was a huge Star Wars fan and still am. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it because there was enough of the monster stuff still going on in the magazine that I got the best of both worlds. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, most monster kids, I think, do love Star Wars, too. So it's still cool to see that stuff. Um, And of course, Famous Monsters also featured Dark Shadows on its cover four four times, I think, for the two movies and the TV show twice. Um, Now, how does Dark Shadows fit into into this? Did you discover Dark Shadows as a child or uh, initially? uh, Or how did that come about? I'm going to be very careful how I tell this story. I want people to to pick up running home to shadows, um, even though there's a very strict, there was very strict rules of how to get into. Yeah, I want to talk about that, too. Yeah, Yeah. but I I kind of I kind of cheated because here's me, the, the ringleader of the whole thing. And I'm not exactly a dark shadows kid, but I sort of technically am. Mm-hmm. I am very proud to say I was there. I was there in the living room, and I remember very clearly it being on the TV. Beyond that, as a child, that you know, not much more than that. Um, mm-hmm. I was born in in '65. Uh, I was just a little over a year old when Dark Shadows debuted, and to this day, I'm not sure exactly. If if it, uh, when it debuted in my area, I don't know if it started at you know in '66 in in my area or it started later. And Becky, my my wife and I, kind of went back and forth on this because she was two years older than me, and her in her memories, the show didn't really get picked up in our area until Barnabas came into it. Mm-hmm. Because she had never seen the pre-Barnabas stuff until we were together. But anyways, getting ahead of myself there, um, my mother was an inveterate soap opera watcher. And she was the kind of lady that she had them on, but I rarely remember her sitting down to actually, you know, watch them. It was she was always doing something in the house. We had a big old Edwardian home uh, where I grew up and she was always, you know, cleaning or whatever doing something. And we had a huge living room and I always played in the living room. So I I absorbed all those soap operas without actually sitting there and watching them unless there was something spooky going on. And then my monster kid antenna you know, went up. And I remember I would stop and watch it. And, and I remember Dark Shadows, I have a very firm picture in my mind's eye of our TV set and there, you know, Barnabas right there. I remember Barnabas being on the screen. And then there was spooky stuff in some of the other shows that she watched. She watched almost everything. She, you know, uh, she watched Secret Storm, you know, Mm -hmm. that one. Yeah. And and all the other different ones. And there was there was some other, you know, I have a feeling that the shows at that time were trying out some darker, spookier stuff when they saw the ratings for Dark Shadows. Mm -hmm. So I'm very proud to say that at least I I have an actual memory of the show at the time it was on. And then I grew up and I I knew the show. I knew what it was. I could I couldn't tell you if it was 
if it was repeated in my area or not. It wasn't until I met Becky when I entered into my adult Dark Shadows fandom. Her passion for the show turned me into a Dark Shadows fan. So I I kind of got it by osmosis uh, in in a way. Um, I want to talk about this because I've seen, you know, some people either asking or griping about, oh, why, why is it only this set of people who are people uh, run home from schoolers uh, that are writing for this? And I, I want to preface this by saying, if you are any era of fan that where you discovered Dark Shadows, you discovered Dark Shadows, the first episode, if you discovered Dark Shadows yesterday, you are still a fan of dark. It doesn't mean anybody is more or less a fan. And I want to say this because I've seen some comments sometimes where people are like, well, well they, they weren't even born yet when Dark Shadows was on. Look, I'm a second generation fan. If you're a third generation fan, you are a fan of the show. Nobody is more or less a fan. Okay. But reading the introduction to this book, it is very clear to me why you chose to go in this direction for this book uh, with first generation fans. Um, I, I know you, your wife, Becky, passed away. And I really, I, I, I actually got emotional when I read your uh, intro. So it was a beautiful introduction to the book. And it's very clear to me what your impetus was for doing this. And 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 I want to, to, just to back up for a moment, I want to say hallelujah to what you said about uh, we're, we're all dark shadows fans. Um, and, and that's not just, you know, lip service. Um, it's really important to state. And I'm so glad that you did. Um, you're, you said it, you're not any less, you know, because of how you came into it or when you came into it, um, you are part of keeping this thing alive, uh, this thing called Dark Shadows, and that's really important. And and just because I chose a particular focus for the book, it you know doesn't. And I hope nobody thinks they're being you know diminished at all uh, uh, for that. Um, but she and I talked about doing a Dark Shadows book uh, several years ago. Um, I have done books on the on my favorite TV show, which is the 1966 Batman TV series. Yeah. <laughs> and great. she I remember when the first one was being prepped and she said something to the effect of we should do the same thing with Dark Shadows mm-hmm. or something similar. And we never really got down into the, the finer details of what that was, but that was always in the back of my mind. And. I finally last year said, I need to do this Dark Shadows book. I, you know, uh, since mm-hmm. she's been gone, um, I've been looking for ways to uh, honor her. Yeah. And with the things that she loved, there's an unofficial tagline to Becky books. And that is cool books that she would have loved. Aww. Yeah. So, sweet. Yeah. so everything that goes into, you know, Becky books uh, is, is things that I know that she would really have loved. And I thought the best way of doing it was to honor the thing that she said to me that I thought was exclusive to her. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm going to say something very naive, right? <laughs> When I met her and she started telling me 
or talking to me about dark shadows, one of the things that she said was, oh, and I used to run home from school and <laughs> she would tell me, you know, that story. I went years thinking that that was something with her. And then when, you know, getting onto the internet and becoming part of Facebook and blah, 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 blah. To start to see person after person after person use that phrase <laughs> yes, <laughs> and turning to her and saying like, oh, you, did, did you know that other people say that too? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, I got kind of a, an awakening there. And I apologize, everybody out there at Dark Shadows Land. Uh, I went quite a long time thinking that that was exclusive to her, but I'm I'm better now. Uh, In but, fact, Guy Guy Haynes, who was who was was on this podcast during the Halloween episode at over at CV Terrace, he produces a bumper sticker that says, "I ran home from school to watch Dark Shadows." So. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost ordered that. I think yeah. maybe now I have to do that. Yes, I yeah. saw that. That yeah, that, that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, so there there couldn't have been a better way for me to focus this book. Yeah. In all the books that I do, i I have to and call it obsessive compulsive disorder or whatever, I have to come up with what I think is a unique hook. To, to everything that I do. And to me, that was a way to tighten and focus the book, which was, I want to talk to those people that that's a, you know, a, a little cool little group there, uh, mm -hmm. a little ha -ha, um, <laughs> of, of people who who did that. So that's what I did is I went out and I said, uh, you have to have been either grade school maybe kindergarten, grade school, and even high school at that time, 66 to 71, and have very clear memories of the show. And it worked out, I think it worked out, you know, very well. And and I do apologize to anybody, you know, if you feel slighted, maybe we'll do another volume at, at, at some yeah. point. Well, I like how you ended with the afterward by Rich Hanley, who was also was also been on the show to talk about the Adam uh, story. Yeah. And I like how you ended it with Rich because it does give that sense of, hey, this is this doesn't stop here. Dark Shadows has been perpetuated by the first generation fans passing that love to the second generation fans, much like Becky passed that love on to you as well. You know, I think that's a great way to kind of, I don't know, give it that sense of this keeps on going, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Rich, uh, Rich was <laughs> well, number one. I love Rich. He's he's my brother, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in so many things. And we've collaborated how many different times now? Uh, he's, you know, one of my most favorite collaborators. He was so crushed when I started talking about this book to him and he realized <laughs> what my rigid rules were. Right, right. <laughs> and then he he came back at one point and he pitched me the idea of his afterward. <laughs> and after he'd said it like that, there was no way that I could not let him into the book because, and, and I thought of it without saying it to him. And then he said it to me, he yeah. said, he said that he and me were kind of bookends that mm -hmm. we were both very small children and that our mothers were the ones that were watching it. Mm -hmm. And, and that really hit me strongly hit me you know right in the brain and and then he said and then i'd like to say this and this and this and i said you are in 
you just talked your way into this book. And I said, <laughs> nobody, nobody could argue, you know, uh, your inclusion now. And he did. He put the perfect capper on it because it's 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 a look to the past, but it's also a touchstone to the present and then a, a look to the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this this thing is going to keep going on and on and on because we're not going to let it fall to the wayside. Definitely. Yeah. And it's I, uh, it's true what you said. There is a special sort of uh, bond that the, the run home from schoolers have because they experienced that in the first run. And I can see that um, it's just what I don't when fans are, um, I guess, exclusionary in that way, yeah. which every once in a while you see something online yeah. or something like that. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, that's not right. Because I, my uncle was a Dark Shadows fan and he first run, you know, fan. Uh, and he when I, I don't remember a time when I didn't know what Dark Shadows was because he yeah. would tell me, he would just tell me like, oh, Barnabas a vampire. And he'd show me his famous monsters. And he gave me his famous monsters, his bubblegum cards. And then he got the, the tapes, you know, syndic- from syndication. Wow. And uh, like in the early 80s, you know, when I was watching, I just in the 70s, I had all the imagery and the magazines and the, and the cards. And then in the early 80s, I started to watch it and I got hooked on it. And he passed that love on to me. And that's important to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's important to pass. And this book, I think, really captures that meaning of what the show meant to these kids that ran home from school to watch Dark Shadows in the 60s and early 70s. You, could, I've read the first uh, few chapters already, and it's it's just fantastic. So tell us maybe a little bit about what fans can expect. We I see several authors here, people who've been on this show already, like Rich and Jeff Thompson, forward by Catherine Lee Scott. And then I see several people who I've already reached out to uh, over the last few months for future episodes. So talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really interesting process to get that lineup. Uh, And it was sort of in three ways. It began with people that I already knew, uh, Mm -hmm. writers in my uh, pulp writing community that I knew were Dark Shadows fans. And then I actually then had to confirm with them how old they were (laughs) and that they had watched it as as a kid. And there was a few that, that it didn't fit that that criteria um and then it was going to the people that i knew and having them recommend writers to me who would fit that criteria and then it was i actually did a very brief open call uh i put it on facebook and i put it on my twitter and and it was funny because i was trying to be a little vague because me uh being a somewhat paranoid person was like if i really go into detail about this and the book's not done someone's going to steal this idea from me (laughs) (laughs) but but i got a few more people like that um and i am backtracking a little bit uh God bless her. Catherine Lee Scott actually recommended a few. I picked up maybe three more people from mm-hmm. her recommendations. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, when Maggie Evans tells you to go to these people, <laughs> I think you should listen, you know. So that's how that all came together. And then basically what everybody was told was, I want your memories of watching the show. And what I mean in that is I want the strongest memories and I want them as, I want you to act as a storyteller. Um, I said, I want these to be warm and personable. 
uh, I don't want you to be pedantic with it. You know, like you don't have to go into when the show started, who created the show and, and all that. I said, most people who are going to pick up this book are going to know that stuff already. Mm-hmm. What I really want is I want you to transport your reader back to 1966 to 71 and I want them to have a sense of the era and time and and as uh, uh, you as a child. Uh, I said, you can talk about stuff after the show and when you grew up and if Dark Shadows impacted your adult life, that's fine. I said, but there's, the focus has to be on childhood. Right. That was supremely important to me. And everybody just came through like gangbusters on it. And it was it was a real thrill that as each essay came in to read them and I was expecting some crossover, you know, stuff. But it turns out that everybody had something unique to say Mm -hmm. to themselves. Uh, And, you know, I laughed and I cried and (laughs) everything else during during that process. And it really was an amazing thing as it was happening. Uh, and, and now that it's out, it's become yet a different amazing thing to me. And, and these are all, uh, these are all uh, essays written by professional published writers. I mean, these are uh, yeah. beautiful essays, like Nancy Holder's essay. I read uh, ah. a couple of days ago. I owe it all to Angelique. I just so uh, is so vivid. You know, she really painted that that picture with words. Oh, uh, I just I just you, every you've, some, you've confirmed something for me. Um, I got Nancy's kind of um, almost towards the middle of uh, as the essays came in. I had already gotten some. I got hers and I read it and loved it, told her, and then I circled back around to begin the editing process and then passing it on to Charles to to have him do the pass on it. And it really struck me. And I said, Charles, I said, I don't know how the heck I'm ever going to come up with the exact order of essays in this book. I said, but I know one thing, and that's that Nancy's is going first. And, and he said, I remember he came back and it just said, completely agree. Yeah. It just put, sucks you right in. I it's just, yeah. it's like, it sets the, it sets the tone for the, for the, for the book, you know, I, it? definitely. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I am so fortunate to, to have her in the book. And, and I want to say this too. I, I am incredibly fortunate to have Catherine have done the forward. Um, I never imagined that that would happen. And she was so immediately open to the idea and the concept. And, and she wrote the essay practically like the, or her forward, like the very next day. Wow. <laughs> like I, I was like, okay, you have three months, you know, to, to put this <laughs> in and everything. And, and then it was literally like a few days later, she goes here, see if this will work. And, and it was so funny because she, it was exactly what I'd hoped it would be. I, I, mm-hmm. I actually said to her in the beginning, what I would really like to hear from you is when you first, you, you all first started to realize that it wasn't just older teenagers or adults watching this show, that children were watching it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I said, that's really important. I said, if you can, you know, dredge some of that stuff up, wouldn't that be great? And and, and the and children, really, I mean, kids really. and teenagers kind of became, they took over. I mean, the it kind yeah. of the monster kids and the teenagers just were like, yeah, yeah. This, this is this is our show. <laughs> yeah. And the well, soap opera viewers, some of them stayed on board and continued to watch it. Plenty of them did. My my grandmother continued to watch it, you know, mm. even though she couldn't look at Barnabas when he when he showed his fangs, she had to look away. <laughs> uh, but um, it's interesting if you look at the audience for Dark Shadows, you can see the the camps, you know, you have the the soap opera fans, you have the, the like the monster kids and and, yeah. and the kind of the teen teen magazine crowd that was yes. the actors and, and their lives. And so and it was a really strange, I mean, an unusual combination of demographics that took place there. <laughs> yeah, two two things. Um, a similar thing happened with uh, Batman 1966. Mm-hmm. The show was designed to appeal to children but it also had some things going on that they knew would appeal to the adults, the parents that most likely would be watching with the kids. But what happened was that teenagers and even better college kids grabbed it. Mm -hmm. It became a thing on campuses to gather in common rooms and watch Batman. And when a show can grab an audience like that, uh, that's got to be, you know, one of the best things in, in the world. And then also, I was surprised when I found out how much the the monster kid crowd embraced Dark Shadows. Because at one point, I didn't really realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Becky was a monster kid, very much so, just as much as me, if not more. Um, but... I don't think she, I don't know if I don't think she was reading famous monsters of, of film land. So that's almost sort of a, a different crowd. It's it's the kids that were coming off of the, the monster craze of the 50s and then into the 60s. And I didn't it's like I, I, I couldn't imagine and still find it hard that that some kids would have been able to sit through dark shadows or, or but now i now i'm getting it more and more i hope i i, I think i'm being a little <laughs> confusing <laughs> on that but it's that they would have been able to sit through different parts of it to get the monster fix is really really amazing to me and i think that the producers and directors and writers probably started to hear that and it really ramped up the you know those monster uh aspects oh, yeah i think while especially. still trying while still trying to hold on to the soap opera crowd right um and and i think it i think it they real they must have realized it when bar after barnabas came on and and during 1790 you start to see it ramp up more and more during 1795 and by the time they get to adam i think they're fully <laughs> yeah. aware that like okay yeah. and then all bets are off it's like werewolves <laughs> no problem right right uh, uh, disembodied heads no yeah. problem Dr. Uh, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, why not? Sure, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. More vampires, uh, uh, cosmic horror, weird (laughs) beings from wherever the hell. 
Yep. Sure. Let's, let's do let's it. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> but let's not forget there needs to be a little touch of romance in there. somewhere. Right. And it, it really, I mean, I talked about this and when I did the Gothic, uh, you know, tropes episode, but it really, it, it also, the fact that it was formatted as a soap opera also caused it to fall right into that tradition of serialized Gothic storytelling from the yeah. 19th century. It was yeah. like almost the successor of that uh, in, in, in many ways. Uh, and a lot of those characteristics that we could say are soap opera characteristics also happen to be characteristics of the Gothic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, the other day I said something to someone on Facebook, and I believe it was in one of the Dark Shadows groups. I said, and I can't remember how it started, but they were talking about somebody said something about black and white and then it going to color. Mm -hmm. And I said, look at it this way. Think of the black and white era of Dark Shadows as univ the Universal Monsters films. Yeah. <laughs> and when it goes to color, then they it becomes the, it, they become hammer films. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I wrote that and hit send, I, I, I considered myself very clever. <laughs> Other people may disagree, but whatever. Um, but <laughs> And Curtis was a big fan of that stuff. Yeah. I, he was. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, House of Dark Shadows is totally a hammer film. Oh, totally. Even it's the color of the blood is hammer red. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny because in here we're jumping all the way back to Sir Graves Gassy for a, a moment. I, he he would show a Universal Monster film. I was happy. Next week, suddenly it was one of these color Hammer films, and I didn't like them. Becky, oh, was you didn't huge. like the Hammer films that when you first saw them? No, Becky was oh. a huge Hammer fan when I when oh, I love she Hammer. found me, <laughs> <laughs> and it, she worked on me and worked on me and tried to get me up to speed on Hammer, you know. But you know what it it, it was? It was that they were too adult. Yeah. Yeah. They were too uh, garish. The, uh, mm -hmm. the blood was too red. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't, you know, it's like, it was like, I was a weird kid. No, <laughs> it was well, like, no, I had, I had to have the subtle horror of, right. of black and white, you know, Bella and Boris and Lon mm -hmm. and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Now there are now today. I do actually love some hammer films, but I'm not the biggest hammer, you know, fan in the, in the world. But, um, to me, that's how I see that change in, in Dark Shadows, uh, that that Barnabas, you know, sunk his teeth into that show and dragged it into the Hammer era. <laughs> like, let's let's leave, you know, the the uh, the black and white Universal era behind and, and let's go to that. I, I have to, and I got to say this. House of Dark Shadows, forget, if you can forget for a moment that it's a Dark Shadows film, is one of the best vampire films Agreed. ever yeah. made, along with the very first Kolchak TV movie. Oh, yeah, the, I love, the, love the, the vampire Col one. That's sure. Night Stalker. If you take the licensed material out of that, it is one of the best vampire films ever alongside of House of Dark Shadows. Um, and I'm not saying even just for the 70s, but for forever you yeah. know um and if if nobody and i can't believe anybody listening to this has not indulged in both those movies if you, if you haven't please do and and try to watch them uh forget the ip <laughs> that, that encompasses them and uh and watch them as vampire films and i think you'll agree they're they're just incredible on that level 
Yeah, it's a different tone. I mean, if you watch House of Dark Shadows, it's not, I mean, most people listening to this probably have. And a lot, some fans of the TV show don't like House of Dark Shadows because it's too violent and Barnabas is too dark. And I think it's cool. I think it's just, you know, there were always parallel, parallel time was introduced into Dark Shadows. So to me, that's just a different parallel version where, absolutely, you know, Barnabas really was, you know. Uh, who, who couldn't like Barnabas gyrating in slow motion <laughs> with uh, the thing, you know, being driven through his body and the blood. Yeah, that was intense. In slow motion. I don't get it. Is there somebody it, out there? Yeah, it's great. It's great. No, I think it is. I've said it. the same thing in a previous episode. It's just a great vampire movie, period. And it's it a great, is. I call it darker shadows. It's just, it's, it's like, I love, I love the TV show. Oh, so much, but I loved, I loved house and I like, I love night of dark shadows, not as much as house. I want to see the full night of dark yeah. shadows and Kolchak. Oh my God. I, the, the TV movie, the Kolchak TV movie is fantastic. The first one, I like the second one too, the night strangler, but the first one is, is a classic and, yeah. but it is also a different flavor. Uh, when you watch the TV series, which I also love, but it's a different a little bit of a different vibe to it. You know, the, the movie feels yeah. a bit more serious than the, than the TV show, but there's still yeah. humor in there too. But. Yeah, I was surprised watching Kolchak as an adult. Now I have stronger memories of, of watching Kolchak as a kid than I do of Dark Shadows. Um, mm -hmm. But um, watching it again, Kolchak as an adult, I was surprised at how much humor is in the show. Yeah. That as a kid, you don't, you don't, it's not hitting your brain that way. Um, and again, I go back to Batman. It's the same way mm -hmm. you, you look at Batman as completely serious. You get older and you realize uh, where all the satire and parody yeah. and wit, yep. you, you know, uh, comes in. Um, I never noticed when I was a kid watching Batman, the Adam West Batman, I did not pick up on the camp thing like at all. Like I, or I, or the, the, the uh, satirical aspects. So I just thought it was a cool Batman show yeah. and, it, yeah, and it is, but I just never picked up on that until I was an adult. And and then when I was watching them as a, when I got a little older, a teenager, and I, then I realized, Oh, this isn't, well, you know, what I don't remember that, you know, it's just, <laughs> right. you don't, uh, speaking of Batman, there's one thing I want to throw out. Cause I know you're, you're, it's your favorite show. So yeah. <laughs> I wish, okay. I, I love Batman too. Uh, just, I love Batman as a character. I, I collected the comics for a quite for a while in, um, in like the late eighties, early nineties when Batman mania was, was around with Tim yeah. Burton, the Tim Burton movie. And I grew up watching the Batman 66 show. And also I remember watching the serial, even when I was really little, uh, it was on, I thought it was earlier episodes of the Adam way. I was really little when I saw it was, they were playing it on TV, the yeah. black and white serial. But anyway, I always wished that they had introduced the Cavalier as a villain in Batman oh, and played wow. by Terry Thomas. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I'm like, how did they not do that? That would have been Terry Thomas as the Cavalier would have been. He's my favorite, like Z-list Batman villain. I love the Cavalier because he's oh so melodramatic. <laughs> you, you, that's, that, I love that. I, I, that's, I can't come up with much more than that. That's um, that's incredible. I just, you know, it's funny as much as I also like the Cavalier. I don't think I've ever really thought about like him being used in the show. To, to me, it's and, and I know this is a Dark Shadow show, but um, to me, to me, it's it's how Anne Margaret never played Poison Ivy. Oh, on the show wow. is. Uh, 
right, let, me just, let me just put a plug in for something really quick here. So we just did the third volume of my my look at the Batman TV series. Oh, yes. it's, for the, it's for third season. I end the entire series with an essay of my own about and I do a what if fourth season. Oh, I love that. Oh. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. With, uh, with returning villains and new villains and uh, other things. So <laughs> and Margaret would have been amazing as Poison yeah. Ivy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she was born to play that role. And she, you know, she was around at that time and very popular and a redhead. And, and, and I think Poison else. Ivy was introduced at around that time to like 60. Was it 66? It is. Or 66? Um, 66, 67. I actually, um, my dad bought the first appearance of Poison Ivy for my older sibling. So I actually have oh. that. Oh, cool. That, that comic <laughs> has always been around me because it was sitting around the house. And of course I have it now. Mm. So yes, it, it would have been absolutely perfect. Had they gone into a fourth season, I think they might have actually, you know, considered doing that if they were going to go back and mine the mm. comics for, for some. Sure. Yeah. And, and they, just, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say before I forget, yeah, um, I, you answered one of my questions. So t- Tim Burton's name is allowed to be mentioned on this show. Is that right? <laughs> uh, only only when not referring to that <laughs> okay. other movie. That no, <laughs> no, that's oh. I am politely critical of of that <laughs> film when I talk about it. But never please. seen it. I have. Oh, really? Yeah. And Becky did not either. Um, we um, she generally hated remakes of things, although. Mm-hmm. She actually really liked the 90s Dark Shadows. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. She, um, you know, if Ben Cross, if I can say, you know, Ben Cross was, you know, very close next in line after Jonathan to Mm -hmm. to be a Barnabas to her. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, we, when she first heard about the Tim Burton Dark Shadows, I remember she was like, oh, and then she's (laughs) like, oh, I need to. I need to think about it. I need to think about it. And, and they were making the movie and we'd hear about the casting and that was kind of starting to sway her. Yeah. Uh, somewhat was the oh, casting. It's a great said, cast. Yeah. yeah. She said, okay, okay, let's, let's go and see it. Let's go and see it. Uh, I'm uh, I'll steal myself and I'll, you know, I let's do this thing. The first trailer came out. And yeah. she watched it and she said, no, nope, no way, no how, not interested. <laughs> yeah. We were, I remember the shock that ran through our household <laughs> when, when we saw what Burton wanted to, you know, was doing with it. Well, I, <laughs> I know or Johnny Depp was doing with it, you know, but yeah. um, so, uh, and, and then I've never seen Night of Dark Shadows and <laughs> That's because she had talked me out of it. <laughs> well, it's it's not the film that Dan Curtis made. I was because they edited so much of it out. And Darren yeah. Gross, uh, who is a longtime Dark Shadows fan and has been involved in many official projects related to Dark Shadows, found uh, the footage, you know, and put together the the mm-hmm. re-recorded the audio. There was some missing audio. Uh, did had Robert Cobert, the late Robert Cobert, redo certain music cues. I mean. And it wow. just he and it, I would love for that that to be released. I mean, it was like on the cusp of of getting a, a release at one point and it didn't happen. And I hope that it does, because I everybody I think every Dark Shadows fan would like to see the full version of Night yeah. of Dark Shadows. Yeah. And, I'd like to see it for, for, for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I and can even hear as her, a, I can hear her in my head saying, 
it's just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a a very different film from House of Dark Shadows, and it feels very different from the TV show, too. It feels very much like its own strange thing that sort of huh. has a lot of echoes of Dark Shadows in it, but it's it's a very moody film. It's on a rainy day in November. It was gray and dark out and windy and it's raining. That's a good day to watch Night of Dark Shadows. I like watching Night of Dark Shadows on a day like that because it has that mood to it. But the structure of the film was ruined by all the editing. So it's, you know, it's a bit disjointed, but it has a really, I think uh, it was, I don't know if it was Ansel or somebody on the show referred to it as like an almost an art film. Like it has an artsy vibe yeah. to a weird vibe to it but a lot of people don't like dark shadows no becky wasn't alone in that um but it's, I think it's worth she, a look. i think she has it on disc somewhere around here i mm. should probably just sit down and and yeah. you know and finally watch it i think it's just that i'm i'm such a big fan of house that i mm. i don't want anything to kind of you know soil that it's just its own thing it's its own yeah. thing it's you know ghosts and witchcraft there's aspects in there but um it's interesting you've talked when talking about batman batman star trek and dark shadows all premiered in 1966 yep. uh those three shows all came out in 66 and i was heartbroken when i went i went to san diego comic-con in 2016 and there was batman and star trek stuff everywhere but nothing i mean there was i think uh hermes press was there for dark shadows and i think they had a little panel with uh lara and uh catherine but i would have liked to have seen a bigger presence for dark shadows there and i know will mckinley was recently on this podcast and he pointed out you know after we did the show we were talking and he said you know star trek and Batman have you know multi-million dollar corporations that own them, whereas Dark Shadows is owned by Dan Curtis's daughters, you know, Dan Curtis Holdings. So they don't right. it which he called it uh, he was said that's the trade-off. You know, we got they got Dan Curtis saved Dark Shadows basically because ABC probably might not have kept Dark Shadows. They might have taped over all that stuff, you know. So sure, sure. Uh, but doesn't have like the money behind it to get it in. I would have just liked to have seen like a banner with Barnabas, or like a big anniversary banner with Barnabas on it at yeah. San Diego Comic Con, you know. And there would have, and there would be, and still is going to be a prejudice uh, existing because it's a it was a daytime. Yes, show, yeah, and I've talked about people have a chip on their shoulder about some people yeah. do. Some monster kids won't look at dark shadows. Oh, that was a soap opera. It's like, well. Kind of, but not really. It's its own thing, almost, you know? Imagine if the Burton movie had been a success. That might have helped. Um, Even though, you know, the show has transcended its roots many times over now, Mm -hmm. uh, you know. um, And if if a show like Batman can finally gain some respect... (laughs) <laughs> I, I went through most of my life not being an unapologetic Batman fan, but hearing all the, the crap, you know, mm-hmm. about that show. But now I can't turn around without bumping into people who say that they're the biggest fan of, of Batman 66. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. if that show can transcend its its camp roots and and get past all of the the naysayers and and make people finally realize that it's just another face of the character then mm-hmm. then there's you know no reason that that can't happen with uh with dark shadows sure i mean just 
looking at the um, cover, or just getting back to the book real quick, looking at the cover of that book uh, by the great Mark Maddox, um, mm-hmm. it really captures that that feel of dark, you know, that there's the little girl watching the waves crashing uh, and uh, having her cookies there. And then you see above the television set that the 60s TV set, you know, that you see the the silhouettes of Barnabas, Angelique, Quentin in the, in the fog and the and Colin Wood in the background. It's so moody. And that really I, that just captures the whole the feel of the show, but also the excitement of, of a child who's so into that show to to watch that. You know, I love Mark is is brilliant, a really nice he guy too. Really I've met him at Monster yeah. Bash. He's great. Yeah. He um again, <laughs> thank you. You're you're making me feel very justified <laughs> and, and 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 uh in so many choices that I made with that book. And it's really great to finally, after all this time here, that what I was trying to do actually is getting through to people. Um, Mark and I had a lot of conversations back and forth about that cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the biggest things was, is that we had to, we had to be careful that we were not infringing on any, you know, copyrights and trademarks and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And, and he was very adamant about that too. And I was totally on board with that. We had some really great conversations and that's what came out of it. I, I had a rough idea, the original idea that it was going to be totally in a, in a, uh, in a living room. And Mark started to say, well, what about this? And what about that? And we had one final fantastic conversation before he showed me a rough draft of what he was thinking of. And he came back with the black and white pencil sketch of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just said, absolutely. (laughs) Um, that, that girl on the cover, and I don't mention it in the book, that is actually Becky. I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah, I figured yeah. it was, and I loved that a lot. I gave, I gave him a photo of her, a different one that's in the that's actually in the book. Mm-hmm. I gave her a photo of, of her from Christmas around 1970, and I said, you know, Mark, I'm not asking you to do like a likeness. I said, I know that's a lot more involved. I said, if you could just kind of look at this and 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 let that be, you know, let the feeling of how she was and how she looked, you know, kind of come through. And he came back with with that. Um, that is exactly her hair. <laughs> that's um, great. Oh, this is yeah, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And the, the plate of cookies was totally marked. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> little cup. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, and so I see cute. the werewolf back there, too. Chris Jennings is lurking there in the yeah. background. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Mark is so... He wanted that TV set to be so accurate. <laughs> and he was like, I remember we were on the phone and he was going on and on. And I'm like, Mark, I trust you. You just, you know, that whatever you come up with is going to be an accurate television set, yeah. you know, for, the, for that era. And uh, I love that because it reminds me of the set that we had. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Yeah. He painted, uh, of course, also the the Dark Shadows lunchbox, uh, which yep. is a great collectible. Yep. It's one of the best collectibles they've done in, in quite a while. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. And I have a print of the, the front of that lunchbox that I got from Mark at Monster Bash. Actually, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Rebecca picked it up for me as a gift from Mark. 
but I asked him already. I was like, if you're, if I go to Monster Bash, if you go to Monster Bash, I hope you have prints of this uh, cover of uh, this book because I would love to get a print of of this cover. I, it's just another one of those things that I'm very fortunate that I was able to get onto his schedule, and that he believed so much in the project, and that he was excited about it. And that he came up with something that was even better than what I imagined in my head. Yeah. Uh, so just very thankful to him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and speaking of Mark and Monster Bash, you said you weren't aware at first of the sort of the importance of Dark Shadows to monster culture, I guess, or or maybe to monster kids. Um, yeah. Subsequently, how, what are your thoughts on that now? Like, have you seen evidence of that now oh abs- yeah absolutely and and i'm really that's i had to rearrange <laughs> some things in my in my head about who dark shadows fans are where are and and will be and that makes me love it all the more okay i hadn't seen the show probably since i was when it was originally on until i had met becky and she when i met her she had in tow uh, some video cassettes, VHS cassettes that she had taped off of the TV that, you know, they weren't store bought or anything like that at all. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not even sure there were commercially ones available at that time, but um, we sat down and uh, she started showing me and it was kind of disjointed. She didn't have like a whole big long string of episodes. She only had a few. Right. And those are very special times because we'd watch those and of course they're they're terrible vhs oh yeah yeah i remember yeah the multi-generation green yeah Yeah. yeah. but the charm was totally there and then the sci-fi channel Mm -hmm. announced that they were going to show the entire show beginning to end and she was really excited because she had never seen the pre-barnabas stuff and i had never seen you know, pretty much the entire thing. So day after day, we watched and watched and watched. And that's an incredible uh, memory to me. But as we were doing that, that and, and she had always told me that they had picked up on classic literature, classic yeah. monster, classic ghost stories. And, and I maybe I wasn't really getting it until I actually saw it. Mm-hmm. And and to finally see all that and, and, you know, Adam comes along and I'm like, what? They're doing Frankenstein. You know, <laughs> I mean, I always knew there was a vampire in the show and Angelique was a witch. But and then, you know, the the, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and and yeah. the, and and the Leviathans <laughs> that I think really blew my mind because that was that's a. That's sort of a deep dive. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, but the yeah, average to, viewer probably didn't know. What right, was right. To, yeah, <laughs> the, the average viewer. That's a, and then you know what? They probably went through the whole thing and had still had no idea where the heck it came from. <laughs> and I know some people today are still saying, "What the hell were they thinking?" But um, I actually kind of like the. Leviathan. Oh, I do too. I you love know, the Leviathan storyline. Even though I'm. Isn't it considered to be the like kind of like the thing that killed the show? Yeah, it's kind of a lot of people consider it the jump the shark moment yeah. for Dark Shadow. And I, I disagree. I, I think uh-huh. people were shocked by it because it was such a very weird storyline. But I, yeah. I dig it. I think it's I, cool. I totally <laughs> it's like everybody take a step back and give them credit for at least attempting it 
because not only had they been doing so many things that had never been done in daytime soap operas before, but that really had never been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that had hardly been done in films, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's that was really incredible. And I get what people say about they don't like them. Barnabas was being controlled or subjugated sure. or, or whatever. And I, yeah. I guess I, I guess I, I get that. Yeah. When you, when you stand back and you look at his first appearances and then you look at that, it's, there's a huge gulf there. Well, he's yeah. He's, he's under their control and he's so cold and yeah. aloof and it is yeah. jarring if you're like, you know, following the Barnabas you're used to. And then all of a sudden you get that it is jarring, but it was unexpected and weird and cool. I thought. And and subtle in the sense yeah. that it's not necessarily horror that you see mm-hmm. that you feel or, or get the sense of that there's something much larger hanging above you kind of a thing and even different from that the sense of dread that usually hung over Collinwood. right um, right this is a this eldritch yeah you know, these yeah. you know ancient well glovecraftian elder god type beings you know this is uh something very unusual for dark shadows and and if you're expecting you know the ghosts and the vampires this is out of left field so i can see how people were but i i think it's i liked it when i first watched it when i was a kid i think i was already probably going into my early teens at that point uh because they were then running it out of channel 58 and i just i thought it was i thought it was cool then and i anytime i've rewatched that i still like it um i'm, yep. I'm gonna ask you some geeky questions i guess we could say this this has all been geeky questions but um okay so Do I it. geek out go so, go so, for it so i was reading uh you know when you're bio uh that your dad introduced you to pulp stories which i love that's great uh and that you uh you write pulp stories you're a fan of them is there uh, any pulp character that you think would work well in dark shadows there's one that springs to mind for me but i don't know if there's any <laughs> probably probably the one that they the show stole their name <laughs> from would be oh, the shadow the shadow oh yeah, that would be um, interesting sure yeah, yeah. Definitely, because the shadow today is considered to be a mystical character, but in the original pulp novels, he is not. Mm-hmm. That's kind. That's something that the radio show did to the character, mm-hmm. and then later incarnations really played up on it, um, especially going into the uh, Alec Baldwin movie mm-hmm. uh, in the '90s. But the shadow might have worked. Because he is not necessarily a superhero like the way we think of as superheroes. But I think it would have been really interesting in the show if something like that would have been attempted. A character that has another identity that is a um, sort of a, a, well, you know what? In some ways, Barnabas is kind of a shadow or, or, or a, a midnight avenger kind of a character. Right. When I right. think when I think back, at, he does he does play the double role. He's the cousin from England, you know, when he's walking around normal people, and then he's the vampire. And actually, those are some of my favorite moments in the show when he mm-hmm. becomes the sword of justice. And the yeah. one that I'm thinking of right off the bat, and probably my favorite, is him offing Jason McGuire. Oh yeah. If anybody <laughs> deserved to be <laughs> yes. death by vampire, you know, it's it's Jason McGuire. Everybody uh, was waiting for that. I think yeah. the tr- the triumvirate it was a Jason McGuire. Well, he he yeah, he did like Trask, you got Nathan Forbes, you got Sky Rumson. It's like all these uh-huh. dirt bags that you 
<laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I, I look at it as is Barnabas comes into the show and Jason McGuire is the holdover, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like so it's like saying Barnabas is wiping away the last remnants of the old dark shadows. Oh, I love that. And, and yeah. now it's his, you know, show. Yes. Like, oh, I really take, like that. That's oh, Elizabeth, you have a dangling plot line here. Let me take care of that. For yeah. you, you know? and, and then he just, you know, offs him. And, mm-hmm. and I say that, and, and Becky was the hugest uh, Jason McGuire, anything that, that uh, Ben <laughs> Patrick played in that show, she just loved. Oh, he's so charming, though. I mean, he's a, yes. he's a, he's a sleaze. He's, he's the smiling snake. <laughs> she used to torture me with that one funny still of his head where he's got that maniacal look on his face. Oh, yeah, when he's Paul Stoddard. Yeah. When he's Paul Stoddard. And it's that it's that weird moment, like where it just suddenly flashes on the screen. Yep. Whatever the. <laughs> well, she found an, a still of that, mm-hmm. and and used to send it to me on Facebook. I love it. Oh, yeah. that's great. Because she knew how much I hated that <laughs> like that crazy ass image of him. And I, I came across it the other day. I was going through my Facebook timeline photos trying to find something and i stumbled upon that and that really hit me yeah yeah <laughs> but it, you know and it was funny because we're in the middle of yeah. uh, i'm in the middle of this whole dark shadows thing right now and and then to come across that so a good yeah good but good times it was it was she's good sending time. you a, a yeah she's sending it to uh, you again yeah very <laughs> i love that very, i love that very very much so but um <laughs> but 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 yes, you know, and it's funny. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'd never thought about that. That that Barnabas himself it could have been a, a pulp character. Sure. Um, in a yeah. way, in a way, the way the show was set up, it was very much like the pulp novels of the classic era. Up, every chapter of a pulp novel was designed to get you to immediately read the next chapter. Right, right. They end uh, in a way, every chapter ends where you, they're daring you not to turn the page and keep going. I mean, that's yeah. what a pulp novel is. Um, a pulp novel is is basically plot-driven. Uh, plot and that's not to say it doesn't have interesting characters, but the characters never changed from one issue to one month, you know, one issue to the next. It was the stories that people were, were coming in for. But they were, they were get in and get out. Right. You know, get in, tell the story, get out. That's sure. they, they were short, cheap entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, a half hour episode of Dark Shadows is very much that same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, they're they're daring you to not come back tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dan Curtis was always pushing for the yeah. big cliffhanger at the yeah. end of every episode. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely for, for sure. And, and similarly with with gothic serialized storytelling, you know, that was all those cliffhanger type endings. But uh, one character, I think. It, that would have worked well in Dark Shadows too if they had sort of adapted um, as uh, Solomon Kane, uh, the Robert E. Howard, um, you know, the monster hunter character. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I think he would have been interesting because because Professor Stokes was was like he was the Van Helsing of Dark Shadows, but a more <laughs> sort of uh, dark action kind of monster hunter type character, a brooding 
character like Solomon Kane, yeah. uh, who's shows up yeah. to track down Barnabas and some of and the other supernatural characters, Angelique and Quentin, whatever, you know, like I think that would have been interesting yeah. too. I'm uh, a massive, massive fan of the occult detective subgenre. Yes, cool. Um, yeah. and, and that's my Sergeant Janice character is is mm-hmm. my occult. Um, and he's inspired by the character of Karnacki, uh, which was William Hope Hodgson in the uh, the teens, uh, mm-hmm. right before World War One, uh, mm-hmm. and he had nine different adventures in the in pulp magazines of of that character. Um, but and and I think I remember like gravitating towards Professor Stokes, and I may have even at yeah. one point said. Wait, I know what this is. This yeah. this guy's the kind of character that I yeah. like. You know, yeah, he's the sage he occult expert. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Kolchak is an occult detective. He's sure. a part of that of that genre. Oh, totally. Um, I heard him referred to once as uh, Kolchak, the everyman's Van Helsing, and I love. Yeah. I always love that description for Kolchak because that's what he is. He's almost an accidental occult detective in, yeah. a, in a way you know uh, and 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 taking it even further and another thing that's near and dear to my heart is ghostbusters the ghostbusters oh, yeah. are occult detectives right it, did you did you like afterlife i did very I did very very much yeah, yes. i did as well yeah. yeah and i yeah i, I kind of cried my eyes out me too <laughs> i got i did too uh, yeah there. yeah yeah <laughs> um, i i was laughing a little bit ago because i re- was remembering something that it Halfway through watching Dark Shadows on the Sci-Fi Channel, I think I turned to her and I said, "Is anybody ever happy on this show?" No, there. You know, that's the thing. It's you're right. Yeah, that's a it's good observation. It's unrelenting. There's it, no happy know, endings on yeah. Dark Shadows. I don't think anybody's like happy even for necessarily a full episode. <laughs> like there are moments where, and you go, "Uh oh, that person's happy." You know, what's yeah. going to happen to them? Yeah. And even when they seem happy, there's a, like an underlying sadness, like, uh, you know, well. like Pansy, you know, like Pansy seems pretty jovial. But underneath that, there's a sadness to, to Pansy. You know, <laughs> I think I think Maggie, you know, probably <laughs> had it best by being driven off to Wingcliff. Yes. Yeah. You know, maybe she could finally be happy there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she reconnected with uh, with yeah. Joe. I think it's yeah, I'm hoping that, that, that finish Vicky, Vicky was finally happy somewhere when she left. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope this, um, uh, you know, Mark B. Perry's trying to get this uh, Dark Shadows reincarnation series off the ground. And he mm. was on here on, on Tara Collinwood talking about that and about Vicky. And uh, it he there's some really interesting ideas that he he's it's a sequel series like like yeah. Star Trek, The Next Generation. So yeah. I, I and they haven't really done that. You know, all of the attempts to bring Dark Shadows back to television yes. or film have been reboot style things or remake yeah. style things. So I'd like to see a sequel just to see what they're doing today at Collinwood and what happened between then and now. And what are the reverberations of what happened back then to today? Like maybe something Barnabas did back then would have an effect in the present, you know, so I'm sure I hope it happens. When we heard about that, I remember being, you know, kind of excited uh, and that she was too and wondering what it could be. So would they actually have the surviving actors? He did say that he wants it to be as um, true to the original show as possible. So okay. he said he would like 
if it fits the the story, he would like to bring back familiar faces from the, wonderful from the original show uh, because yeah. he wants fidelity to the he wants it to be yeah. you know to to be genuine in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, he did talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> they need to move quickly <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah, uh, yeah and i hate to even chuckle over that but they um if they're serious about that they need to st- strike now because dark shadows is one of the shows of its time where we are incredibly lucky to have so many of the main players still with us yeah that that we still have Catherine and Lara and David is yes. really yeah. uh, amazing and you know we're fortunate you know I think of the ones that have passed on and I hope that they wouldn't like recast those people but mm-hmm. maybe just have children of them or or mm-hmm. something like it'd be interesting to hear how they would handle Barnabas that he I would says assume. he has a plan for I if okay. you if you're interested I, if you check out episode 20 of the podcast and it's this is one where i did a video version of it because mark had such a great he was in uh the collinwood foyer uh so the, like oh. his background you know on his zoom so yeah. we did video but it's uh episode 20 and Mar- it's it's a you know he goes into substantial detail about what his uh he doesn't i mean doesn't spoil anything but he says he has a plan yeah. for barnabas and he maintained you can't do dark shadows without barnabas collins uh I, so i agree so he had a, he has an idea for that uh yeah I, I definitely encourage you or anybody listening if you haven't uh check it out and hear what mark has to say because uh, he definitely has a passion for it and uh i think he, i have i have a good feeling about what he has in mind so i hope i hope it happens for sure um all More right. Power to them. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to ask you a couple of couple of questions here. Who? All right. So, who are your favorite characters, and who are Becky's favorite characters too on Dark Shadows? Well, first and foremost, for her would would be Barnabas. Uh, mm-hmm. Barnabas was everything, you know. Um, um, <laughs> I can hear. I'm sorry. I can hear her yelling, yelling out. Um, and I kind of mentioned this in in my intro. The, the shows and movies that we love the most became part of our language the, that we talked, we spoke to each other. Um, and that happens with, you know, many couples. They yeah. develop a, a, a language all their own. Oh, my God. My, was, my Magoo also. We did the same yeah. thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, ours was quotes from tv shows and movies that we we didn't even have to preface it we would just say that quote it's like the star trek the next generation episode where everything was that was everything in in those aliens was in metaphor or yeah whatever that was that was that was us but i can hear her like yelling out barnabas you must not do this (laughs) you and sarah you know yeah yeah and um and I won't ruin the introduction for people, but the but the wonderful um, uh, Louis Edmonds who who oh, flubbed, yeah. flubbed that line, and I mean I had to use that as the title to my introduction because mm-hmm. my God, how many times we brought that up because she was in such admiration yeah. of how he recovered 
that she was um, a musician, but she was also an actor too. And mm-hmm. she said, she said, I, she said, that's the best recovery that she had ever witnessed and seen, mm-hmm. you know, um, she loved David uh, very much. Um, she loved Roger. <laughs> God only knows why. <laughs> I think it was Louie. Well, she used to watch Louie on what was the other soap opera he was on? All my children. Yeah. She loved yeah. him on, on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um she she oh uh trask any oh, trask yeah. Yeah. yeah her family was obsessed they all watched the show together their family was just obsessed with the reverend trask oh, and, and the he's later. still with us too jerry lacy yeah see there's great. another one yeah you've come bring him back as a descent another descendant of trask he'd yeah. be fantastic yeah uh, but oh, I yeah. think I think after Barnabas, it, it had to have been Willie. And this oh, is Willie. Yeah. She just, you know, <laughs> we, we joke about how many times he got caned, you know, and poor Willie. Willie. <laughs> <laughs> you betrayed Barnabas, me. Don't, I, I'm sorry. You know, uh, <laughs> That's a good Willie impression. <laughs> I think she felt so much, even though she loved Barnabas, she felt so much sympathy sure. for what Willie had to go through and probably hoping day after day that he would have some spot of happiness. <laughs> you, know, um, um, you know, what's funny is, is that I know she likes some of the female characters, but she gravitated more towards the male. Interesting. Characters. Yeah, yeah very much. I'm she, she liked Maggie, you know, well mm-hmm. enough. And she mm-hmm. loved to hate Angelique, like, mm-hmm. you know, a- anybody else. Uh, and she liked um, St- uh, Professor Stokes, anything that Thayer David, you know, played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember that she always somehow uh, gravitated towards the children. Yeah. You know, she, she loved David. Uh, she loved Sarah. It's, um, it's also probably because she was a kid when she first yeah, watched it. And, and I think that that's why well. I also resonate yeah. that those kids, like they were your age. So like, you know, that yeah. was pretty cool. And she loved that damn little Leviathan kid. Michael or uh, Alexander? It was Alexander. Alexander was the really little one. Um, whoever was interacted with David the most. It was probably Michael. He Michael, was very right. good, actually. He and, was the, like, and, and his rat. accent. She would imitate his accent. All yeah. <laughs> and she loved the part where David got, I think he was either a, a camera or a, or a radio or a tape recorder for his birthday or something like that. And the kid goes, you're going to give it to me, aren't you, David? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she would, I mean, just out yeah. of the blue, she would, you know, she would say that. Yeah. They, they quote that line. So <laughs> she, she just thought that was funny that that the kid would just say, give me that. I yeah, want he was it, a brat, you know, Alexander. Love that, Alexander. That accent that he yeah. had. And then, yeah, that, well, yeah, he had like a, he was like a, I don't know if it was what, the New York or maybe New England accent. It is. It's something, it is. It's New England or, or, or almost like the Bronx or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to see how he became bratty Jeb Hawks too. Like all of the versions were spoiled brat type characters. She liked Amy. Um, oh yeah. 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 Amy, oh. all all those, uh, you know, we didn't really talk much about Carrie. Uh, um, mm-hmm. um, one of her most favorite storylines is the ghost of Quentin. Oh, love that and, one. Yeah, yeah, and um, that was one of the that was one of the first storylines that she told me about when we mm-hmm. met, and how much she loved that, and she loved 
um, the storyline with and Quentin and his crazy wife. Oh, yeah. Jenny. Yeah. And that was one of the ones where she had an episode or two on the VHS tapes. OK, so I, here here. Well, the more I'm thinking about it, that's some of the very first Dark Shadows I saw as an adult mm-hmm. was, was those. Um she loved uh, anybody getting bricked up in a wall. <laughs> <laughs> we together we we loved Nicholas Blair. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. And <laughs> and we would we would just be astounded that the scenes with Nicholas and Angelique and doing all those like calling on demons and Satan and everything, and she she'd go like, how can that? She's like, how the actors got through that without worrying mm-hmm. about. Were they really the blackened know? stars that rained at your yes, <laughs> yeah. yes? She said. She said that even she would have felt weird, and she was a weird kid, you know. Yeah, she would right. have felt weird having to do those scenes of calling up and with the with the the voices of hell in the background, the, the damn yeah. souls screaming. I can I can hear that was it. Ter- scary. Um, and in Mika, they had got backlash when that aired. The black mass that Nicholas uh, conducted, you know, it yes, was, that. that they got some backlash on and then go being in hell with <laughs> Diabolus. <laughs> yes. Wow. Talk about talk about like never having ever been in so in a soap opera before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the one storyline that I think she talked about the most to me, and she said as a child that that she loved so much and that carried through was the dream curse. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I found out from some Dark Shadows fans that that's not really a huge favorite of some diehard yeah and i was a little surprised when i first heard that because i really enjoyed it when i when i mm-hmm. finally saw it you know for myself i think the main gripe fans have with that is that it gets repetitive because they keep repeating the the I, same i, I, I think I it's cool agree. i yeah, like yeah. i like doors mm-hmm. and 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 scenes of people in a dreamlike state you know and doors is is always good oh, it's <laughs> as cool. far as i go <laughs> yeah and then for me, and it's a very brief moment in the show, but I love it is the 1995. Oh, that's a great storyline. Yeah. I wish that could have gone on longer because yeah. suddenly me being the big science fiction fan that I am, suddenly they're in the future, yeah. the far future of 1995 and, and a ruined Collinwood. Yeah. I mean, that was pushing just about every button you know, that I could hope for. And would that they been able to return or stay there longer or just dig deeper into that would have yeah. been fantastic to me. I love that sequence. It's great. It's the, it's so shocking uh, to see Colin yeah. Wood in ruins and to see, you know, old Mrs. Johnson, everybody's dead. What mm-hmm. the hell happened? Uh, uh-huh. And you see that shot of Colin, they even changed the shot of Seaview that they use and they use this very gloomy, dilapidated looking image, yeah. you know, yeah, for, for the, oh gosh, it was just great. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, there's I agree. A, there's a moment in third season of Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I always, everything goes back to Batman. <laughs> Batman is my most favorite fictional character of all time. Any awesome. medium of all time. Uh-huh. But there's a, there's um, it's an episode where a bomb is planted in the Batmobile and it's stupid. I, when you really look at it, it's entirely improbable and stupid, but it, they drive back to the Batcave and it explodes. And then when they come back from the commercial, there's a ruined 
like the bat cave is like ruined there's like beams that have fallen <laughs> down and and uh batman has been thrown far from the batmobile robin somehow is survived and is still sitting in the batmobile but i don't know what it was number one i loved the bat cave when i was little and and that it was ruined or you know there was some destruction and i think to me it was just that something that you watch week after week after week and is always looks the same is suddenly changed and that you you knew that the the set dressers and everybody had to work at doing something different with a set that they probably never barely ever touched to do anything different to was suddenly different yeah and yeah. and that's part of it with uh the ruined uh Collinwood and being in the future and and like you said what the hell happened what happened Carolyn is mad Quentin yeah. is mad everybody yeah. like oh. yeah if I ever ever got to write any official Dark Shadows fiction and and believe me it's still high on my bucket list I would want to try to do something with that oh, have somebody go great. back go well i say back to it go forward to mm-hmm. that again and dig deeper into what is the world outside of collinwood like right in, in that in that far off land of 19 <laughs> yes yeah. oh i love it i want yeah. it that you actually reminded me of something because i remember it might have been when you were on monster kid radio you mentioned you had wanted to do an anthology of uh, short story, dark shadow uh, short stories by different authors. Oh my God, that would have been incredible. I mean, why, why did okay. that not happen? Oh, I, uh, I, I hope you know what? that you that haven't happens. made me, you haven't made me cry yet. I, oh. <laughs> I've gotten close. <laughs> now you're going to really make me cry. <laughs> um, oh. I should be, I should be thankful for the projects that I have done with licensed properties, but mm. I, actually at one time pitched that to the powers that be okay um and along with um greg cox who is in in running home to shadows one of the writers in there um he and i went was it greg i think it was greg it might have been, you know what? No, I think it was, was it Charles? Charles went in with me, but Greg was going to be part of it. Mm-hmm. We we pitched to, at that time, it was, the license was with Tor. Oh, right, yeah. And we went to the, the proper editor. We got an audi- an email audience with him, and we I laid it out. And they declined. They said that... Um, they didn't they i think generally it was they just didn't think that it would sell well we almost didn't get our plant rich and i almost didn't get our planet of the apes anthology off the ground because of that same thing we were being told anthologies don't sell it doesn't matter what the property is anthologies don't sell um i had even uh, had the foresight to say to the tour editor um we know that lara is writing official dark shadows novels we would very much like her to somehow be part of this anthology, you know, like to have her write the lead story, a short story by her. Wouldn't that be yeah. amazing? Oh my God. And, be awesome. You know, thinking like thinking that we, they were going to come back and go, well, guys, listen, you know, uh, it, we, you know, Lara's doing this thing. And if she's not part of this, then, you know, so I jumped ahead and said, well, can we have Lara be part of it? You know, yeah. Yeah. But it, it it didn't happen and and it's a real shame. But um I I I haven't, you know, I'm not even sure who has the license. 
anymore. Uh, it's not, I don't, it's not tour anymore. I'm not really sure. I'm not but, sure. I mean, they haven't been any new novels lately, so I don't right, know. If right. So that's sad if, if the license is, is kind of laying, uh, laying around and, and collecting dust mm-hmm. and no one's really doing anything with it. Um, I think an anthology would be a really great way. We, the, the Planet of the Apes anthology is, is one of the most successful things that I've ever done. And um, the fan base embraced it like crazy. Yeah. And, and um, Rich and I just have gotten the greatest, you know, reviews and compliments and, and where's volume two, where's volume three, where there's not going to be anymore, but, and I can't help but think that, the same thing would be the, um, the dark shadows community is effing amazing. <laughs> I had no real clue. Uh, I had some inkling, but I had no clue it. There has been more interest in running home to shadows than just about anything that I've ever done. I mean, immediate interest, even when I just debuted the cover, yeah. And and thank you very much, because I've had how many people tell me that they heard, first knew about it because it was mentioned on, on your show. I really appreciate oh, gosh, that no, very my, much. My pleasure. <laughs> but I can only imagine that that community, if they react to a nonfiction book like this, what you know, how would they react to an anthology? Oh, the Dark Shadows fan base is extremely passionate. And they will support it. Um, There's no doubt in my mind that that would happen. So I I hope that you get another opportunity to pitch that um, idea, because I think an anthology of Dark Shadows stories would be great because we've had quite a few novels over the years. but. An anthology that I don't think that 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 hasn't been done yet, you know, and it would be really cool to get an official published anthology of Dark Shadows Tales by a variety of authors. Let let me just tease this to anybody who might be listening to this and who has some sort of power or connections or can put a bug in somebody's ear. uh, The lineup of writers that I could pull in now from the people that I have worked with and know, uh, I think think that they would be very very happy you know with who they would see in that book and and some of them you'd look at the name and say that person writing a dark shadow story (laughs) yeah like where do i you know send my money yeah Um, a lot of there are so many writers who i mean stephen king is a huge dark shadows fan yeah and rice was a big dark shadows fan. i mean there are so many uh writers that were inspired by dark shadows it's it's and creators just in general i mean fritz lang would lock his door and nobody could bother him while he was watching (laughs) dark shadows isn't that that great i mean it's just really amazing yeah so i there are there are people out there that are probably you know anyway i'm not saying stephen king would be in the book i'm just saying <laughs> like i would just saying there are a lot of prominent dark shadows fans out there so uh jim tell us a little bit more about where people can get this book um how do they find out more about your future projects let us know okay um first and foremost go to amazon.com and Running Home to Shadows. Uh, you'll find it right there. It's available in paperback and uh, in uh, ebook, uh, Kindle ebook, um, at, at, a, at a very reasonable price. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. sure that it was as an attractive price as I could possibly make it. Um, and then 
updates concerning it and, and future things would be at my um, Facebook page, which is called the Jim Beard and Becky Books page. And um, that's where I made the first announcements for Running Home to Shadows and uh, everything will get announced there. And and I have my, my Amazon author page uh, also mm-hmm. uh, uh, where you can see all of the things. Um, if anybody's interested in the Kolchak book, there's two books of mine that are not on my Amazon author page. They're published by Moonstone Books. Yeah. And Moonstone Books uh, is generally not on Amazon. You you have to get their books through their site. So it's moonstonebooks.com. Mm-hmm. And you'll find my Kolchak uh, novel there, which is a sort of sequel to the first Kolchak uh, TV movie, mm-hmm. which I'm very proud to say. That's awesome. And, and then I have a brand new Green Hornet Oh, cool. and that's based on the 66 there. There's another that, that uh, show from 66, yeah. 66 Green Hornet show. But everything else you'll find on my Amazon author page. So Running Home to Shadows, the uh, the Batman books about the TV series um, and um, uh, in the back of the print edition of Running Home to Shadows, you'll see the other books that are out from Becky books. And that's the three Batman books. And a few other uh, uh, fiction ones, and my um, my occult detectives, uh, Sergeant Janice series. You'll also see on my Amazon page. There's a lot of spooky monster stuff <laughs> in my catalog. Um, Wonderful! I won't be too surprised to find that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Jim. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time today to uh, chat with me uh, about uh, this amazing book. Uh, you Folks, you got to check it out, Running Home to Shadows. Uh, you won't be disappointed. And as Jim pointed out, the price is right. You can't beat the price on this. And it's filled with so many great memories from fans of Dark Shadows. Uh, Jim, thank you again for uh, joining me here on the podcast. I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you so very much. This has been a lot of fun. Sorry about all the tangents. Oh, God. Tangents is my middle name. (laughs) Me too. I'm I'm all about the tangents, you know, like, okay, I go in with like an idea. We're going to talk, well, talk about this. We'll talk about this. But I, I, I knew, (laughs) uh, you know, a lot of, I knew we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff in addition to Dark Shadows. And I'm glad we did. Uh, Folks, please be sure to subscribe to Terror at Collinwood on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps the podcast to grow if you subscribe rate and review. And if you listen to Terror at Collinwood on YouTube, as some people do, please do subscribe to the YouTube channel too. Uh, I will be eventually posting some exclusive content on there, uh, but I am happy to see the, uh, the the feeds, you know, the subscribers growing. Uh, and when I posted that Gothic episode, I wasn't expecting that, but there was a, a bump in subscription. So please keep on subscribing. Tell your friends about Terror at Collinwood. For as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished, for there will always be terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.